0: To The Thief, a sermon series about our enemy and the ways he attacks us. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. Yeah. Just look at the person sitting next to you and tell them they sure look good today. Yeah, yeah. Say, last time I saw you, you looked rough, but today you look better. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I am so glad that you are joining us today. You could be in a lot of different places today, but here you are right here in God's house, and we're excited that you're here with us. We are starting a brand new series today that we are titling The Thief. We are calling uh, The Thief. Now, I don't know if you have ever been robbed before, but I've been robbed uh, a few times. I've had the home that I was living in uh, robbed a few times, broken into. I've had uh, two vehicles that I have owned over the years have been broken into. In 2001, uh, uh, a girl came into my life who stole my heart. Everybody say, oh uh. Yeah, Amanda, she stole my heart. Make sure you tell her how sweet I am. That'll help me out. Uh, but anyway, just, but but really, uh, I've, I have been robbed. I've, somebody has stolen from me several times. Uh, now, I wonder about this. How many of you have ever... Ever been robbed, but you didn't realize you had been robbed until maybe days, weeks, or even months later. Somebody stole something from you and you just did not realize that it had happened. When Amanda and I got married, we had a magician uh, come to the reception that was going to follow our wedding. And I, I love magic. Uh, if you want to see me act like a little kid, man, you take me to a magic show. Uh, I'll get excited about it. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm just amazed by it. it. Just It just fascinates me and so uh, we had this magician come uh, to the reception and he would go from table to table and what he would do is he would steal people's watches. Uh, Amanda and I had worked out a deal that we would get a percentage of the cut when he went to pawn those watches. I'm just kidding. Some of y'all are like, oh my goodness, pastor's a thief. But, uh, but really, he would. He would go from table to table. He would go to a table, and as he would start, the first thing that he would do at a lot of those tables is he really would, he would take someone's watch without them even realizing that it had happened, and he would continue to do tricks and continue to entertain the people uh, that were at that particular table, and every time before he left that table, he would look at the people there, and he would say, hey, do you know, he would look at the person whose watch he actually stole, and he would say, hey, do you know what time it is? And that person would look at their wrist, and their watch wouldn't be there, and then the magician, he would pull it out of his pocket, and they would be Wow, everybody at the table would be amazed. They were amazed. Man, this guy stole from me. That's so funny. And uh, everybody was just excited uh, about it. I mean, well, here's, here's, here's the deal. You and I, we really have an enemy. We have an enemy who is a thief. He's a, he's a thief, and that's his whole purpose. Jesus describes the thief this way in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill. And destroy. Do you see that word, only? Do you see that word, only? He only does those things. Our enemy, the thief, he only comes to steal, he only comes to kill, and he only comes to destroy. The, the enemy, our enemy, Satan, is not trying to entertain you. He's not trying to be your friend. He is not your friend. He comes to do those things to you and to me. And the problem with so many people is that the devil is robbing them blind, and they don't even realize that it is happening. They're being entertained by his tricks, and he's stealing right from under their noses. See, folks, the devil is real. He is very real. A lot of people don't realize this, but before the foundation of the world, God created what are known as archangels. He created Gabriel. He created Michael. He created a guy by, or an angel by the name of Lucifer. And Lucifer was the worship angel. He was, he was beautiful. He, he led the other angels in the worship of God. He was, he was beautiful and he was full of wisdom and full of glory. The problem is, is that Lucifer became very jealous of God. He became very jealous of God because God was getting all the glory, and Lucifer didn't like that. He said, what about me? What about me? Why why aren't angels worshiping me? I should get a little share of this. Look how beautiful I am. And so Lucifer fell into this trap of pride, and he basically started a rebellion against God because God had said, I will not share my glory with anyone else But Lucifer, again, he wanted the attention. He wanted the praise. And so God cast him from heaven. God cast Lucifer and a third of the angels who had joined Lucifer and agreed with Lucifer. He cast a third of those angels down who were now known as demons who you and I still do battle with even today. Now, you might be wondering, why in the world uh, does all this even matter. Why does this matter? Well, here's why it matters. Do you know that you were created in the image and likeness of God? Did you know that? Okay, just making sure. All right, well, I want you to see, if you didn't know, I want to prove it to you. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, here's what the Bible says. It says, so God created mankind in his own what? In his own image, in the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. Now, how many of you have ever broken up with someone? You were dating somebody, you were going out and you broke up. How many of y'all have ever had a rough Break up. You know what I mean. I I remember uh, one time I had been dating this girl and uh, we 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 had broken up. But while we we dating. We had taken a lot of pictures uh, together with with one another, and this was before you had your phone. Before you could actually take a phone, uh, take a picture with your phone, and then look at it and decide if you liked it or not. You know what I'm saying? Or you could delete it or start all over. This was when you had those disposable cameras. anybody remember those disposable cameras? And you would take a picture. Rah, 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 rah. You had to you had to wind that wheel, little wheel on the back, and you would just hope and pray, right, that you were going to like how you looked in that picture. Once you got it developed. So we had taken several pictures together, gotten them developed. And so after we broke up, do you know what she did to the fa- the pictures that I was in? Do you know what she did? She, she actually took a paper clip and she scratched out my face. She scratched out my face. She blotted out my face. She didn't want to throw the picture away because she was in the picture. And she liked the way she looked in the picture, but she didn't want me in the picture, and so she wanted to get rid of me. I had some friends who came up to me and said, hey man, you need to watch that girl. She's crazy. You need to watch that girl. You need to watch out. She's crazy. And man, 2000, I mean, 2001, I mean, still married her. You know what I'm saying? We still got, I'm just, it's not Amanda. I'm just kidding. But but again, this girl, again, she, she wanted me out of her life because she hated me. She didn't want any reminder of me anywhere. Well, that's how Satan is with you, and that's how Satan is with me. We're made in the image and likeness of who? God. So that means that when the enemy looks at you, when he looks at me, do you know what he sees? He sees an image of who? God. The likeness of God. The one he hates. The one he purposely started a rebellion against. So he's going to continually come after us to kill, to steal, And to destroy, he's not your friend. He's not your friend. He is your enemy. And so in this series, what I want to do, what I hope to do, is I want to try to help you understand some some things about him so that when he does attack, you will be equipped to withstand his attacks. Because again, he's going to attack you. He may be attacking some of you right now. And so today, again, I want to talk to you about one of those attacks that Satan has, one of the attacks that he comes at us with, and that is deception. See, not only is the devil a thief, but he is a deceiver. He's the, he's the deceiver. See, one of the ways that he comes at us is with lies. With, with lies, he lies to us, and he tries to take us away from God's truth. Here's how Jesus, again, described the enemy. Here's how Jesus describes Satan in John chapter 8 verse 44. Jesus said this. He says, "He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he speaks, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies." Father of lies. Any time the devil speaks, he's lying somebody said how do you know if if the devil is lying to you well in the words of the great theologian Megan Trainer you know if his lips are moving he's lying 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 right he's lying when he speaks he lies he cannot speak the truth he's always lying and that is his first strategy when he comes against eve in the garden he he actually attacks the authority of god's word he attacks The truth with lies. It's crazy to even think about. Because if you know the story, you you know that a serpent comes to Eve. Now, who is the serpent? This serpent that the Bible talks about is a physical form. It is Lucifer in the physical form. It's a physical form of this evil one. And he comes up to, to, to Eve and he deceives her. How does he? How does he? deceiver. He did it, again, by attacking the Word of God. The serpent could have tried all sorts of ways to get Eve to come along with him. He could, have, he could have come up with all sorts of ways. He could have done anything. He could have tried to attack some of her insecurities, you know. He could have slithered up to her. Stuck out his tongue like a serpent. That's my best example. I don't know. But he could have said, hey, Eve, Adam doesn't love you. He He's tired of hearing you talk about your feelings all the time. He doesn't love you. He, he wants to go to his man cave, like literally. He wants to go to his cave and be away from you forever. Eve, he liked it better when it was just him and the animals. Eve, he wants his rib back. He wants his rib back. He, he does. There were all sorts of ways, again, that he could have come at Eve. But how does he do it? He comes at her by attacking the word of God, and that's still how he comes at us, by attacking the word of God. And I want you to see how it happens. If you keep a notes, you want to write them down. There's two things that I want you to see that he does to the word of God, that the enemy does to the word of God. The first thing the deceiver does is he questions the word of God. He questions the word of God. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? Notice that the enemy doesn't even question whether or not God has spoken. He just questions what God has spoken. Just questions what he has spoken. And again, that's exactly what he still does today. He wants you and I to question what God has already spoken. Well, did God really say that sex outside of marriage is wrong? Did God really say that marriage should be between a man and a woman? Did God really say that you should go to church? Did God really say that you should tithe? Did God really say that you should serve? Did God really say that you should forgive others? Did he really say this? Did he really say that the enemy, again, he wants to plant seeds of doubt in our mind when it comes to the word of God? Did he really say this? Or, 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 or did he really say you can't do that he wasn't speaking to you when he said that. He was talking to people hundreds and thousands of years ago. Maybe, maybe he meant it for those people, but not for us. It's 2018. We've evolved way past that. Never mind the fact that the, the Bible says that God's word is firmly established. Never mind the fact that, that God's word is eternal. Again, we've evolved way past that besides god loves you so much god wants you to be happy he he wants you to be happy you can do whatever you want he'll forgive you he he didn't he didn't tell you to do these things that was a long time ago that's what he says to us right he he tries to get us to question the word of god and evidently eve did start to question the word of god How do I know? Because I want you to see what happens again in in Genesis chapter 2. Go back to chapter 2, verse 16. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Everybody say free. Let me make sure you're still with me. Free. Now say freely. Right, so what I want you to understand is that God said, Hey, look, Adam, Eve, man, you're, you're free to eat from all these trees. Orange trees, apple trees, pear trees, peanut butter and jelly trees. All these trees, you can eat from them. All of these trees, this tree, that tree, this tree, that tree, this tree. Eat freely, eat as much as you want. Eat whenever you want, but just this one. Don't eat from this one tree you're blessed there's freedom but just this one and so in genesis chapter 3 the enemy comes and he starts to have a conversation with with eve and i noticed something this past week that i'd never noticed before really but she's having this conversation with the devil and the devil says did god really say you cannot eat from any tree in the garden and eve's response to this question she leaves out one word. One word. I want you to see what she, she leaves out. See if, you can, see if you can pick it up. Look at verse 2 of chapter 3. The Bible says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden. We may eat from the trees in the garden. She leaves out one word free. Freely. She leaves out that word, one word free implying that in this moment maybe she thought that, that, that God was holding out on her. That she felt like in this moment that maybe this one thing that God was saying no to could have been the only thing that would bring her fulfillment and satisfaction. Please don't miss this. You've got to see it. What I want you to understand is that the enemy, the enemy wanted her to question the goodness of God. The enemy wanted her to question the goodness of God. And the moment she started questioning the goodness of God, that was when it was easier to disobey the will of God. Man, that's good. You need to write it down. Anytime the enemy can get you to question the goodness of God, that's when it will be easier for you to disobey the will of God. It's the moment Eve started to question God's word, she started to wonder, is God really good? Is he holding out on me? Maybe I can't trust God. You need to know the deceiver. Again, he questions The Word of God. And that's what he wants us to do is question it. The next thing that the enemy, the deceiver, does to the Word of God is not only does he question the Word of God, but the next thing he does is twists the Word of God. He twists the Word of God. Eve said, We can eat from any tree except this one, or we're going to die. Or we're going to die. And look at how the enemy responds again. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, this is amazing. He's so smart. He says this, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you see what the serpent said? He said, you'll be like God. You'll be like, God. well, that's exactly what got Lucifer in trouble in the first place, was he wanted to be like God. And so what's interesting right here, again, is he's twisting God's word. He's twisting what God has said, because what has God already said about Eve? You are made in the image, and what? Likeness of God. You're you're already like God, Eve, but then here comes the serpent and says, you're not like God, but if you do this, you will be. If you do this, you'll be like God. Now, again, I want you to know that Satan's strategy hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. He still does this very thing he tries to twist the Word of God. Oh, oh God is love. That's true. But then Satan says, God is love, so He'll forgive you. Just do whatever you want, whatever makes you happy. Nobody can judge you. The Bible says that. Nobody can judge you. God, Loves you. He wants you to be happy. Just do whatever you want. Again, Satan attacks the authority of God's word. He twists the authority of God's word. The enemy, man, I'm telling you, he's coming after you. He's coming after your finances. He's coming after your family. He's coming after your health. Again, he comes after our families. Man, I, I don't know about you. If some, but if somebody breaks into my house, if somebody breaks into my house and comes after my family, Do you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to sit in the bed and go, man, I really hope they don't go down the hallway to my kids' room. I'm not going to look at Amanda and say, man, Amanda, you got to do something quick. Get out there and do something. There's there's somebody coming after our family. What am I going to do? In an instant, I'm going to remember every martial arts movie I have ever seen in my life. And I'm going to go out there and karate kick somebody in the throat. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go Jason Bourne on somebody. Man, I'm going to come out like the Black Panther and say, Wakanda forever. And I'm going after people like a velociraptor from Jurassic World. You might knock me down, but I'm getting back up because I'm not going to sit there while somebody comes after my family. I'm telling you. The devil attacks our families every day. Wake up. Wake up. You and I need to step up and say, not today, Satan, not my family. I fight back in the name of Jesus. at the name in which every demon has to run and flee. I come at you in Jesus' name. We're not tolerating this anymore. Not today. I know who I am. In Christ, I have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, living in me. Christ has all authority, and I come at you in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, you're in a battle. You're in a battle. The the enemy, he's attacking you. He's attacking our family. You don't believe it? Look at the word of God in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, the Bible says this. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, and against the authorities, against the powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. You've got to recognize you're in a battle. The enemy is very real, and we can't use earthly weapons to destroy him we use spiritual weapons to destroy him look at what paul goes on to say again you're in this battle you're in this battle and he goes on to say in verse 13 this is why you must everybody say must, must. this is why you must take up the full armor of god so that you may be able to resist the evil day having prepared everything to take your stand. Therefore, stand with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like an armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. And don't miss this. There's only one offensive weapon that is listed there. What is it? It's the sword of the Spirit. And what is the sword of the Spirit? It's God's Word. The very weapon that Satan is trying to twist, that Satan is trying to get you to question. Do not let Satan twist. The Word of God. Do not let Satan twist your sword. Listen to me. The Bible is not just some sort of book out there to treat you and I, to teach you and I how to be nice and kind. The Word of God is a weapon. It's a weapon. It's been given to you and given to me to help us in our fight. See, during this time, during the time which the Bible was written, there were two basic types of swords that individuals had. First, there was a real big sword that you basically would swing back and forth with both hands. If you remember in the Old Testament, after David had defeated Goliath, what does he do? He runs over to Goliath, and he grabs Goliath's big sword, right? And then he's hacking away at Goliath's head until he decapitates him. Basically, that's what happened. It would have been very nasty to watch. But then there's another type of sword, and and this was a sword that was shorter. It was a sword that had double edge. It was sharp on both edges. It was known as the gladius, the gladius, and you would use this gladius again in hand-to-hand combat. When your enemy got close, you would use this sword again, real close quarters, and every time I think about the gladius, man, I can't Help but think about one of the greatest movies that was ever made called The Gladiator. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Man, some of y'all are deprived, man. It's just the best movie, one of the best movies ever. There's a scene where he says, he asks the gladiator, what is your name? And he responds by saying, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix legions, loyal servant to the true Emperor Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. One of the greatest movies ever, ever. Let's just pause and celebrate. So great. Well, the gladius again, it's this sharp two-edged sword. But look at how the Bible describes the Word of God in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any, what? Double-edged sword. It's sharper. It's better than any gladius, any sword you could have. And it's how we do battle against the evil one. It's how you and I fight Back. We fight back with the spoken word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Think about how Jesus defeated the enemy. Think about how Jesus made the enemy run and flee from him. Jesus had been in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he had been fasting. He had not eaten, not drinking. He's at the most vulnerable spot in his life that he's ever been in. And at that moment when he's weak, who comes to him? Satan. Satan. Some people say, well, I haven't been attacked in a long time. Well, it could be because you haven't been doing anything great for God lately. It could be because any time you decide you're going to do something for God, that's when the enemy's going to come. That's when the enemy comes. When you decide, you know what, I'm going to be bold in my faith, that's when the enemy attacks When you say, hey, you know what, I'm not just going to go to church, I'm going to be the church, that's when the enemy attacks. When you decide you're going to be generous with what you have, the devil attacks. When you say, hey, you know what, I'm going to glorify God in worship, that's when the enemy attacks. When you say, I'm going to use my gifts to serve and make a difference, that's when the enemy attacks attacks. Jesus was fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and it wasn't because he was on some crash diet. He was glorifying God, worshiping God, doing something great for God, and the devil comes. But not just once. The enemy comes in waves. He comes in waves. Wave one, wave two, wave three. The devil comes to him, and he looks at Jesus. He says, wow, Jesus, you look hungry. And I can imagine that when he comes to him, the devil's eating one of them Krispy Kreme donuts. Mm, Those are so good. Mm, You look hungry, Jesus. Man, 40 days and 40 nights, you're awesome. You, mm, You deserve something to eat. You can do miracles. Hey, why don't you tell these stones to become a Krispy Kreme donut? Why don't you tell these stones to become biscuits and gravy? Why don't you tell these stones to become bread? And what does Jesus do? He draws his sword and he says, It is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He uses his weapon. And so the enemy comes back and he says, Wow, he says, Man, you're awesome. He says, Jesus, what? Well, I can tell you're tired. It's been a rough 40 days. Why don't you throw yourself off this cliff? It's, you know, the Bible says that the Lord will send his angels to where you won't even strike your foot on a rock. They'll come and save you. And so what does Jesus do? He grabs again his sword and he says, devil, it is written, thou shalt not put the Lord your God to the test, right? And so the enemy again comes at him a third time. And he says, I got this. I I know what you want, Jesus. Look at all these kingdoms of the world. Look at all this. I'll give all this to you. All this stuff, it's yours. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. And what again does Jesus do? He grabs his sword and he says, he says, Satan, he says, devil, man, get out of here. Again, it is written, thou shalt only serve who? The Lord God and him alone. And you know what happens? The Bible says that the devil flees. Why does the devil flee? Because if you keep cutting that devil, you know what? He's going to run. He's going to hide. He's going to get away from there. It's the sword of the spirit. It's your offensive weapon. My offensive weapon. I want you to understand what, what David said in Psalm 119 verse 11. David, King David says this. He says, I've hidden Your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, God, your word has become part of me. It's become part of me. It dwells in me. How do you get the word of God to dwell in your heart? You study it daily and you feed off of it for spiritual nourishment every day. What's sad is that so many people who call themselves Christians they don't even know where their sword is. It's covered up in a dresser somewhere, thrown in a closet, sometimes it's just warping in the back dash of a car. You say we don't really need the written word anymore, a hard copy. We got our cell phones. We can, put our, we can put the Bible on our cell phone. That's great. But there are so many people that if you were to ask them, hey, find your Bible app on your phone, it, it'd take them forever to find it. Why? Because it's hidden in some sort of folder and they can't even remember where it's at. I learned something about my phone this past week that amazed me. You can go to your settings and you can look at something called your screen time and it will tell you how long you've been on your phone and it will tell you how many apps you've been on, and it will tell you how long you've been on certain apps. It will tell you that. It would amaze some people to go and look at that and see how little time they've actually been in the Word of God. Man, some people spend 20 hours a week on Facebook and no hours studying the Word of God. Some people spend hours and hours and hours crushing candy. When they should have been crushing Satan in the word of God. That's what they should have been doing. Again, so many people don't even know where their sword is. But listen to me. Jesus quoted the word. He used the sword. And before you can quote the word, before you can speak the word, it's got to be hidden where? In your heart. The Bible teaches it out of the abundance of the heart. What? The mouth speaks. It's powerful, it's living, the Word of God is active, it's sharper again than any two-edged sword. And so what do we do? We use the Word of God. Whenever you feel a little depressed, you quote the Word. Psalm 43 verse 5 says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Whenever your family is under attack, whenever you feel like you're being attacked, you say, you know what? Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17 says, no weapon formed against me will prevail, no weapon formed against me or my family will prosper when some people say, you know what I'm not going to live for God anymore you know what you can say, well some families might not want to do that, but Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 says, but as for me and my house, guess what, we're going to serve the Lord, whenever you want to quit on your faith, you realize, hey you know what I'm not going to quit, because if I endure, I will reap a harvest In time if I do not give up you remember hey you know what I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength all things are possible with God I might not like what I see I might not like what's going on in my life I'm not going to lean on my understanding though I'm going to lean on God in all my ways I'm going to acknowledge him and he's going to make my path straight when your marriage is under attack When your marriage is under attack, you got to pull out that sword and say love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it is not rude, it is not boastful, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. Love always hopes, love always perseveres, love endures forever. You quote the words, you draw your sword. For every attack, for every attack the enemy comes against you with, you draw your sword. You cut the devil. You cut the devil. You say, it is written, I know God's word. I know who I am in Christ. And this is what I have in Christ. Satan, you're already defeated. It's already over, Satan. Get behind me because greater is he that's in me than he's in the world, right? And I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Again, you draw your sword. You quote the word of God. Man, I wish there were some people here who were excited about the word of God and how the word of God had brought them through certain things because they went back to the promises that they had. I'm telling you, you've got to know word of God, the deceiver he wants you to question it he wants to twist it but you know the victor, you know the victory has already been won so you draw close to the word of God with every head bowed and every eye closed I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life But here's what I know. I know there's far too many people who have been Christians for years. And they just don't know the Word of God. They don't have a passion for the Word of God. I'm telling you, we need the Word of God. And so if you just say, Pastor, help me to fall in love with the Word more and more, pray for me. Pray that I'll fall in love with the Word of God. If you'd ask that from the bottom of your heart today, I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand. Amen. A lot of hands. A lot of hands. Amen. Father, I just pray that you would help us to love your Word the way that you want us to. Help us, Father, to draw close to you each and every day. Father, I pray that you would even help me to love your word more. Father, help me to give your word the attention that it deserves. As we continue to pray, again, nobody's looking around. But I wonder today if there's somebody who came in here and you just feel like the enemy has a deep hold on you. You know you're not saved, you know you're not living for Jesus, you know you're in bondage and you want out of it. I got good news for you. The Word says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I want you to know today that Jesus wants to set you free. And so if you'd say today, I want to be saved, I want to be set free, I want to give my heart to Christ, I want to give my life to Christ, if that's you today, I'm just going to ask that you pray this prayer right where you are. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Come into my heart and mold me into a new person. Change me into the person that you want me to be. Father, save me from my sins, save me from myself, rescue me from the evil one. I confess you today as Lord, I confess you as Savior, and I thank you for saving me. Again, nobody's looking around, but if you prayed to receive Christ today, I'm just going to ask it right where you are, you raise your hand so we can know that God is moving. Amen. One, two, three, four, five, six. Praise God. Praise God. He's alive. Father, we thank you for new life. We thank you for your word. We thank you for setting people free today. And I pray, God, that we would always remember, Father, that it is your word that we should fall back on, that it is your word that we should give our attention to. Father, we thank you for giving it to us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.